Hello there. Um, editing Barry, reporting for duty. Um, it is currently 10.13 p.m. on the night before this episode is supposed to post. And um, I'm fully just starting to edit this episode. So I apologize in advance if the editing goes a little crazy tonight. Um, I fully expect to enter a fever dream world of slapdash audio editing very shortly. All that said, um, this is a continuation of last week's episode. It's going to be part two of The Man Show, and Jason will be talking to us about uh, Rabel. So please enjoy. Oh, also, just a reminder, my audio on this particular episode, as this was recorded on the same day as our previous episode, is still fucked up. So apologies for that as well. Oh, also... I wanted to note that uh, this episode came up a little bit short on our standard recording time. It went by a little bit faster than we normally have one of these discussions. And so I've opted to include a little conversation, a little candid conversation at the end that we had about macaroni salad. So if you just tune into this podcast to have two random people talking to you about random things at random points in time, uh, feel free to stay tuned to the end when I'll just include that little snippet. Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Bring us back. Welcome back. We're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I hope you're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so today for my man portion, today I'm going to talk about the song Ritual by Rabel. Uh, this was featured on his 2017 EP, We Could Be Beautiful, but it was made popular as a remix the year before by Marshmallow. So if you're familiar with the song, that's probably how you first heard it. Um, DJ Marshmallow is, you might ha- you might know him as the, I guess his his costume, his stage costume and persona. It's is big like, white marshmallow. Big white marshmallow head with X's for eyes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he actually, and Marshmallow actually just came out on Friday with a new song with Demi Lovato. So, like, his, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, his DJ. His star is rising. Well, it's, it's continued to rise. He keep, keeps popping up. He does different things. He did that Wolves song with Selena Gomez, speaking of. Didn't he do the, um, that Bastille song? I don't know if it was Bastille. I know he did a Justin Bieber sort of thing, too. Like, you know, like, we're in this area era of, like, these sort of huge DJs that, like, like 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 the David Guetta's still the, you know they yeah. kind of come in and the, sa- the sound is evolving but yeah. the concept is still there that there are these DJs producers DJs yeah. yeah yeah and they're they're pairing up with these vocalists mm-hmm. and creating magic well and it's interesting so so the reason I want to talk about Rabel is because he's he's a man he's a man he's one of my favorite um, men he's men. one of your favorite men yeah yes. I think so I think so. <laughs> Um, he is a openly gay singer songwriter originally from Texas. Um, now he's based in LA. He's got the most adorable little dog, which I follow on Instagram. The dog's name is super. And, um, he's kind of living my dream because a lot of times for dinner, he's like making pork chops. 
<laughs> and I'm like, he is the skinniest man. And I, I mean that, I mean that in like the, the nicest way, but I'm like, how do you eat it? Like, it's always like two pork chops. I'm like, he just did it for the gram. <laughs> do you see him eating these pork chops? I guess not. I guess not. Hmm. Gonna have to do is some. He boot, is he gonna have to do maybe? some. No, he's not. Oh, so his boo's not eating. I mean, maybe it's, maybe he's being economical and he's like, I will make one for now and one for later. You know, yeah. Which uh, sensible, <laughs> sensible planning. Sensible. He's got this planning. mop of like Very curly, important. curly, curly hair. Um, I, he's just really funny. Um, his Instagram's really funny. Uh, but he's mostly known for DJ remixes of his songs. So, you know, he's been working for a while, but, you know, he's probably most known in 2014, Afrojack released a version of his song called 10 Feet Tall, um, which was used in a Bud Light commercial for the Super Bowl in 2014. It it was, I remember the song being around quite a bit. Um, I was talking to my friend Chris because Chris and I actually really love um, Rabel. And 10 Feet Tall is a great song and he's he's a great vocalist. Like his, 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 you know, I talk about like the, the vocals that I love. I love big vocals. I love like a lot of range. I love a lot mm-hmm. of emotive ability and he has all of that. Um, but what I think is interesting is because a lot of these are remixes by really well-known DJs, mm-hmm. you don't think of, he's not like a Selena Gomez or Justin Bieber where like, you can identify the voice. In these okay. cases, you think of the DJ. So you think of okay. 10 Feet Tall is an Afrojack song. Um, the song I'm talking about, Ritual, you think of it as maybe a marshmallow song. Because Rabel wasn't in the video, kind of. He was the Adele of, 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 of uh, you know, this, this, it was a marshmallow video. Rabel's vocals are featured and he's credited as being the featured vocalist, but like you don't mm-hmm. see him. So I think a lot of people just think of it as marshmallow. Um, and if you don't know, and I mean, if, you know, if he's not a household, he's name, not a household name. Yeah. He wasn't already a household name. So, you know, you can recognize the voice, but you don't know who it is. Um, you know, in 2020, he's had a couple new songs called, um, so there's one, uh, he's featured on Cash Cash's new song, Mean It. Um, he's also on Galantis's song, The Lake. Um, again, it's like, you know Cash Cash, you might know Cash Cash, you might know Galantis, still wouldn't know Rabel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's written, though, for a lot of people. And in fact, when he first, his first record deal wasn't as a singer, it was as a songwriter. So he's written quite a bit. Um, he's written a lot for Kesha. He wrote Kesha's song, okay. Woman, which came out oh. last year. Yeah. Featuring the Dab Kings. Featuring the Dab Kings. He, yeah, it's, he, I think he's great. Um, he wrote Raising Hell for Kesha. And then also last year, he he co-wrote um, the song Resentment, which features Kesha, Brian Wilson, and Sturtle Simpson. So he's got kind of like, he can pull from a lot of different um, genres and, 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 and sounds. He's got um, some people on his side too. Yeah. Like. Yeah, he does. Um, he's written for Kygo and Ellie Golding. He wrote a song for Will Young, who I'm not sure if you know, Will Young is the openly gay first winner of the UK pop, pop idol. idol. Yeah. Yeah. He's written songs for DNCE, who we talked about earlier with the Jonas Brothers. He actually wrote um, Backstreet Boys 2018, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Um, mm. That big song that kind of helped with their comeback in 2018. It was actually Grammy nominated. Um, written for Fits and the Tantrums, Ben Platt. 
And then Pink also most recently um, included the song 90 Days on her last album. Um, or it was just released as a single, I think, maybe. But um, included him in it. It was a duet with Rabel. Uh, he's in the video, so <laughs> he didn't get iced out. Um, and she she talked about it. She promoted him on the Ellen DeGeneres show, just like, she was like, he's great. Um, and he opened for her on tour. So he's he's been around he's mm-hmm. he's written for these big pop artists but not a household name you probably don't know him um and it, funnily enough he's actually the last artist that i saw play live before we went into quarantine so in february mm-hmm. chris and i saw him at the hotel cafe um tiny venue tiny i think yeah i mean it was it was like the little cabaret tables that they have you know like it's it's yeah. so, it was so close i mean under under covid-19 you could probably fit two people in that whole venue now standing 6 feet apart yeah yeah we were really Maybe close four. we four were people. really close to everybody and you'd be uh, like end on end all the way down that wall along the bar <laughs> and that would be like the yeah, full yeah, capacity yeah. of that yeah venue. yeah 10 people <laughs> at the max including the performer yeah. um but, he, you know, he just has this great energy and it was like an intimate show. And I do think that, you know, as much as I love going to the Hollywood Bowl every summer and as much as I love, you know, seeing some of these artists, we talk about Patti LaBelle and, you know, the Gibson Amphitheater, sometimes seeing an artist, and I know you know this because you love, I, you, you're the one who even told me about the Hotel Cafe like years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's such an, it's such an intimate space to be with an artist. Yeah. You're like right next to them. <laughs> As they yeah. perform. So, I mean, yeah, like anytime you find an artist that you really love playing at the Hotel Cafe, it's like, I have to go because I'm going to yeah. be standing basically shoulder to shoulder with them while they're performing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that was interesting about um, Rabel was um, I've mentioned like a lot of his songs have been sort of upbeat dance remixes. Um, and so I was really curious, as you know, the Hotel Cafe is like an acoustic space you know, and Mm -hmm. it's tiny. So you're not going to, we were like, how's this going to translate? Like, what are his songs going to be like? Um, What I realized and what I should have known, you know, because I, you know, having, having delved into his discography and his, his history in the time since is that like, he's, he's a, he's a big fan of like the piano ballad, you know, like Mm -hmm. mid tempo ballad, which is totally my style. Like, you know, um, I, I love that sort of emotional, like, sad man at a piano type of thing. Um, even a happy man at a piano, but you know, <laughs> I, it, it really translated. And so, you know, that brings me to my song ritual. So ritual ritual was actually released in 2016. So it's about four years old. Um, can I, actually, can I say that going back to the hotel cafe, uh-huh. um, I saw Paloma faith at the hotel cafe. Oh really? Oh, I yeah. remember that. Didn't you say she was like on the table? She had to jump. She was jumping up and down on those little cafe tables. Oh my god! And it's it, to go back to your point about like wondering like, oh, how is how is anything going to translate into this tiny, tiny space? Mm-hmm. Because I think Paloma Faith had been she had toured in like I think she played at like the O2 Arena and stuff like that uh-huh. in the UK. But she comes here, she's she's really nobody, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she gets a gig at the Hotel Cafe. It's amazing to me that anyone could bring a big performance in the mm-hmm. hotel cafe. And mm-hmm. it really did require her jumping up onto that little cafe table in the middle of her song. Yeah. But yeah. I think anyway. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's, I think to me, this speaks to why I really like Rabel so much because, you know, there are some artists who I think really rely on the production to bring energy to their performance. 
um, and to really help make the connection with the audience. And I was mm-hmm. worried that without all of this production, it would suffer. Or, I'm just curious, right? Like, how would this how would this translate when you've essentially got like a piano in a bar? Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, Marshmallow released the most famous version of the song, but he ended up releasing it on his EP in 2017. So, you know, the next year. And it, it's it's interesting. We've, you know, as we've talked about different artists, a lot of times I'll mention the chart position and how it performed here. And I will say that, like, if you don't know Rabel, that's fine. Like, most of his songs have never charted. Right. Like they're popular, like they'll, they'll, they'll get around and you might know, you might've heard them, but like, they don't normally chart. Mm -hmm. Um, He's, he's, I guess, primarily known for his ballads, as I said, and even 10 feet tall, the Afrojack song that sort of introduced him to the world in 2014. um, Afrojack did a remix. I mean, essentially the song is still kind of a mid-tempo ballad, you know, as, as like some of those, like those Usher, Usher and Calvin Harris or whatever, like even like Sia, like those EDM songs, if you think about them, the beats are like dancey, but the songs themselves would just be ballads, right? They're soaring, like kind of big. Yeah. A lot of times it's like they're double timing the beat. Yeah. You know, under under a relatively slow vocal. Yeah. 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 So what's interesting about Ritual is that unlike some of his previous songs and, and a lot of his, a lot of his, his repertoire, this song is actually very euphoric, even in the regular non-Marshmallow version, um, even his own sort of pop-produced uh, version on on the EP. It's just a happy song, and I think it's, it's interesting because, like, not a lot... I don't want to say, like, not a lot of his songs are happy, but a lot of them, like, talk about relationships and heartbreak and, you know, breakups. And... Um, this one is just sort of about being in love and and how, you know, while he's in it, his love is like a rich, is the ritual that he performs every day. And, you know, in the, at the show, um, he sat down with the piano and he was he was just about to talk about it. And he he was joking about how he'd written this song about an ex-boyfriend um, or a relationship at the time and how awkward it was when the guy, re- like, listened to the song and asked, like, wait, is this about me? <laughs> and mm-hmm. learning in that moment that maybe his love was not a ritual for him. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and, and just sort of like the, just, I mean, I think there's, there's always times like that where like you worry about, you know, I think it's really relatable. It's just like your feelings are are not reciprocated or the depth of your yeah. commitment, the enthusiasm of your feelings is not reciprocated. And so I really love that about this song. Um, I don't have a lot to say about the song other than that. I really think you should listen to it. I mean, it's, it's not like some of these songs where it's like, you know, it was written by Mark Ronson or produced by Mark Ronson and it like it had this life and someone covered it. It really hasn't. It's, it's yeah. just a really good song. I think it's a good introduction to Rabel. Um, in terms of if you've not really, if you're not familiar with him, he's a very good pop songwriter. And Adam and I were talking about this last night and how it's funny. So, so in the time since this album has been released, Rabel has left his label and he's, he's, he's an indie, he's, he's releasing his, his stuff independently now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I feel like that's a trajectory that so many of the artists that we've talked about have been doing, you know, as they struggle, you know, uh, um, especially in this landscape where like you have to tour in order to make money and, you know, there's really not much in it for an artist unless you're a huge name to have a big label deal. Yeah. Um, you know, you, otherwise you just don't get support. And a lot of times you're just restricted in terms of what you can release. And so, you know, he's independent and it's funny, like when he writes a song and he performs it and you'll, you'll see this in some of the songs that I'm going to talk about um, that I find notable or that I would recommend. Um, they come off as more, much more of an indie artist, sort of singer songwriter type of thing. But when someone, yeah. but when he gives it to people, it becomes a pop hit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, talking about like, you know, someone like Kesha, DNCE, Backstreet Boys, Pink. Like these are very solid sort of pop names. Kygo, Ellie Goulding. Like there's basically the same songs that he sings, but like they can transform it into, it It, it has different legs when it's somewhere else. And then a lot of mm-hmm. his versions are, they're either, they're either kind of like an ebullient pop production on his own, or it's, um, you know, him and a piano, which I think is equally beautiful. His voice is beautiful. Um, some of the songs that I would recommend from Rabel, um, one of them is called 11 Blocks. And it's a, <laughs> I love listening to this song. Um, it's, 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 it's a song that describes his feelings about his first love who moved 11 blocks away from him in LA. <laughs> and, and, you know, just that, that sort of relatability of like when you've, you've been with someone and you break up and, and like say you're in a city and you, there's that thought in the back of your mind, you're wondering what they're doing because they're only 11 blocks away. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know what their routine is. You know, you know, like, are they out? No, I know they're not out because like, you're not that type. And I, you know, I'm trying to keep myself from going over because you're only 11 blocks away. But like, it's it's just, it's just such a good song. <laughs> I love, I love that song, 11 blocks. Um, Chris wanted me to mention Jupiter. Jupiter. Okay. It's a really good song. The live and piano albums um, that it's featured on really showcase what he can do with his voice and just his songwriting ability and his personality. He talks a lot about, you know, he's he got sober in the last couple of years and how that's changed sort of his approach to songwriting and just his approach to like being in the music industry, um, you know, and and you know how it, how it's affected his collaborations because as you can see from like the number of people that he's written for he's done a lot of collaborations um but now he feels more present in you know mm. as, as part of them and i think you can hear that in the music the music is very joyful um he has a song called the village um and it's it's he wrote this song about a transgender teen's experience and um he wrote it after in 2017 after Trump announced the transgender military ban and mm-hmm. he wanted to 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 use it as a, as a way to just you know really support the transgender community. Um it's a beautiful song. Um I I recommend that you give that a listen. And then most recently um earlier this year he released the song with Kesha called Since I Was Young and it sort of it celebrates his journey as a queer man. Um, it features, you know, videos of him and Kesha when they were younger, um, you know, just sort of in their, uh, you know, part of their development. And it also features a number of video submissions from LGBTQ youth um, and families from uh, a Utah-based organization called Encircle. And they're like a mental health and support services provider for um, LGBTQIA youth and allies. 
they provide housing, they provide, um, you know, other supportive services. Um, it's just, I, I just really love, I love his support for the community, but I think one of the things that I really appreciate that I didn't realize I wanted, you know, as I grew up, really identifying with these strong female artists and identifying with the female protagonists in as as the female protagonist in the love stories, right? Like you're listening to Tony Braxton, you're listening to Whitney Houston. I always put myself in like the Whitney position, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's really awesome to be in a time where like someone can write these sort of very similar feeling ballads and, and, and songs about love and loss and, and joy, but from a perspective as a gay man. And like, I don't have to like transpose myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to like, transpose of the female experience from my own you know and there's no transposition there it's just it's like i i identify with this and i can relate to this in a way that like i i don't know that i had access to before and so yeah i just really like ritual i really like rabel i recommend that you give him a listen um cool he's great to I listen cool to oh keep going keep going no that's it that's um no, finish your sentence. I'm sorry. I totally cut you off. Oh, no. I was just saying, like, I, I I, just think, you know, he's really fun to listen to, like, especially now during quarantine. I, I feel like his, his music is really good for quarantine because it's thoughtful. There's, it's thoughtful, like, when he's examining happiness, joy, heartbreak, loss, loneliness, pain, you know, all of these things. And so, like, all of the emotions that you feel while cleaning the bathroom. Or whatever, <laughs> like you know, it takes you on a journey, and and I feel like it's just it's really good background music. I love to listen to him while I work. Um, uh -huh. I just always feel good. So cool. I mean, you know, it's funny. I I'm not. I know. I do know this one song that you're talking about, mm -hmm. Ritual. But yeah, it is that thing where I don't recognize his voice, mm -hmm. right? And in these songs where you have a DJ producer, you know, releasing this as their song featuring insert yeah. vocalist name here. It's like, you do have those instances where either you do immediately recognize the voice of the person or you don't. Yeah. And you just go like, who, are, you know, and then it almost seems like, I don't, you know, is it a session singer? Yeah. Who is this person? Even if you see their name or you're like, I don't know well, who's, Who's Yeba? Yeba. Yeah. I, 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 who I like. <laughs> who I like, by the way. Yeah. No, but it is that thing where like when you, you know, if that artist doesn't somehow break out on their own yeah. with their image, their music, it's like, you know, what, what is the limiting factor there mm -hmm. for someone like Rabel where like, I, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at his social media presence, uh -huh. looking at, his Twitter is like stuff. non-existent, but his, his Instagram is better. But it is that yeah. thing where I'm almost like, well, you know, he doesn't seem to have the presence of like a star. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Image wise. Yeah. No, it, it, it's like, it's I think so that true. there is something to like when you are well, like Demi Lovato or someone, you know, that there's like a certain presence that you have. That you know, yeah. translates to being a star. Well, and you know what's funny is, you know, I'm thinking about like who would I really think his stuff relates to, and it's 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 really funny. So don't, 
I know these are different. <laughs> okay, go. I, I, Do you follow okay. Charlie Puth on Instagram or whatever? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I Charlie think, Puth is a big mystery to me. Charlie big Puth mystery. is a big mystery. He's like relatable and a star. Like relatable and like not I don't I don't mean to say relatable. He posts every like so much. So you get like every day like where he's just like playing around with music and you're like, "Oh, like he really I mean, it's amazing like how he puts this together. And then there's like him doing dumb, like, you know, those, the whatever, Snapchat shit. Or yeah. just like stalking and then he's like, his hey dad. Guys, outside. Here's my upper inner thigh. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yes. It's when you like hit the screenshot and then you just save that in your camera roll. Because it it, it's, it's funny. Like, well, I mean, when I was listening to some of Rabel's music, I was like, oh, like I could see a Charlie Puth connection here. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's, yeah, Charlie Puth is like, wait, did was I reading that Rabel went to Berkeley College of Music? He did for like a he did for a semester, and then he left. Okay, because Charlie Puth went to Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. there's right. I, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, he did. I don't. And, but there I don't is know something about is. like okay, like you're a great musician, you're a great singer. Um, it was. I mean, when Charlie Puth broke out with that um, Fast and Furious song. Mm, mm-hmm. Right, like the he success was the of feature. that song. He was, was the featured it was guy. Kind of, but it was kind of that the success of that song was kind of a mystery to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I don't aside really from like the fact, that. Song. I mean, aside from the fact that it it tied into Paul Walker's death. Yeah, yeah. Right, there was a whole event around why that song was so poignant, why that song touched people's hearts, and Charlie Puth's presence kind of helped him yeah right yeah and I, yeah and i think i think what's interesting the reason i bring up a charlie puth is because like if you if you follow rabel on instagram there is a similar sort of like he's he's alone right now during quarantine rabel is okay and, in his house and so like just kind of watching that journey i think it's been interesting and i think it's been it's been really interesting to think about like our friends who like are are quarantining alone or just like what that process i mean it's been six months and like what does that do to you especially if you're an artist who's like used to like being out performing to make that connection and to be inspired and to you know to do all of this um but like the kinds of posts it's like like i mentioned it's like making the pork chops for like or, or writing music and, and things like that. It's like, it covers a wide variety of things during the day. Like it's almost, there's an accessibility and a normalcy, like kind of like the normal things that like they do that I do mm-hmm. that to your point about like being a star, not being a star, they're not, it's not like the Chrissy Teigen, Teigen, Chrissy Teigen, Teigen. Um, but, okay. but, you know, but, you know, just like, there that's like there there's a diff i mean obviously she's showing like so much of like her day-to-day but it's like very different level of of like day-to-day um Uh and like he lives in like this normal house or apartment and it's just it's just interesting i mean you know talking about being a star there's a there's an interview in, in people magazine from earlier this year when the since i was young song with kesha came out and i'm kind of talking about you know, his process and like how, where he's come from and like his career, his development as an artist. And he talks about how, you know, as a songwriter, there were certain songs that he really, as he was writing them, he really wanted to keep them for himself. Right. To like, he's Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. This is my baby. I want to like, I want to, I want to put this out. Um, One of those songs was 90 days, which I guess uh, exact for 
an exec related to Pink had heard and was like, can you play that again? Play it again. No, no, play it again. Play it again. And then Pink apparently was like, can I work with you on this? I, I really love this song. And it was that was one of the songs where he was like, no, I want this for myself. But then was like, well, absolutely. Like, you don't turn down that opportunity. And it became like a, a relative, a, a good song for both of them. You know, um, mm-hmm. he talks about how, you know, the, the song Don't Go Breaking My Heart with the Backstreet Boys was a similar thing. He was trying to like, he wanted to hold on to it. He really liked it. Um, couldn't figure out if it was the right fit for him. And when it caught the attention, you know, of the Backstreet Boys, he realized that was like, that was the fun thing. Like that was, that was great. And he talks about how yeah. like even, even in the studio when they were recording it, um, they had to do, they had to record like background vocal, like the, like as a group. So like his voice was part of the mix and how excited he was. Cause he felt like he was part of the Backstreet Boys for like a day. <laughs> and you know, it's just, it's, it's like to your point about like a star or not a star, like, you know, he talks now about how, you know, he, at, at least as you as you get to the end of that interview, you know, he 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 mentions that like what's come in in terms of what's coming next for him. That you know, he's not really he came out here craving fame and fortune, but that sort of shifted for him, and now it's more about you know, sort of the process and just you know the. The, the being able to collaborate with people that he loves and do music that he loves. And I think that's something we hear a lot. I mean, like, obviously there's a lot of other things that have gone into how he arrived at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> being a star, not a star. But I, you kind of, you kind of get that sense in his Instagram, <laughs> like just yeah. what he puts out there that like, I'm just trying to figure I mean, I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring through Charlie Puth's Instagram now. Okay. And yeah, I, I mean, there is, there's something about Charlie Puth that becomes like this sex symbol, right? Yeah. Like normcore sex symbol. <laughs> yeah. In a really weird, in a really weird way. Like he seems like this goofy dude, but then he's also showing a lot of thigh and et cetera. It's kind of but like it high is, school. It's, it's very normal. It's very goofy. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess... You know, when you're talking about Rabel and starting to understand the potential of his songwriting given to other artists and, you know, needing to kind of give up the ghost a little bit, maybe, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or accepting that he can garner greater success through giving his songs to other people. Mm -hmm. Because I think about, like... um, like Justin Tranter, right? Mm-hmm. Or like Julia Michaels, like their mm-hmm. songwriting team. Who Justin Tranter was part of ooh, that band? The, n- toy the no, no, no. Is no. semi precious we- no uh, metals? Semi precious no. metals. Semi precious weapons? weapons. Yeah. I didn't. Okay, they opened <laughs> for Lady. They We're opened terrible. for Lady Gaga, and I did not like them at all. I remember being like, "What the fuck is this?" I was with Chris in San Diego, and Semi-precious I was like, Ugh. Weapons, okay. I, I didn't like." But you that. know, it's it is that thing where like somehow he was picked up yeah. as like a, an incredibly song talented writer. songwriter, yeah. and then more and more he was just giving up his creative energies into songwriting for other people. Um, who else? Um, what's the? Um, oh my gosh, Firework. 
Pitch Perfect. Bonnie McKee. Uh, no, no, the the woman that's in Pitch Perfect. Oh, 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 shit! Uh, it starts with an E. Uh, uh, I talked uh, Esther, about her Esther Dean. Esther Dean. Esther Dean. Like she's someone that I feel like for a long time we were waiting for. Like when is Esther Dean's album? Well, out? there was famously a New Yorker profile on her that asked the same question. Like, if the New Yorker is writing a profile on you about really? being there was like... A, there like, was a lot of hype. Yeah, well, she wrote all those songs for, like, for um, Nicki Minaj and Rihanna and, uh, you know. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where what is it about these ultra-talented vocalists, ultra-talented songwriters that that suddenly creates that block where they don't have a lot of recognition. Like they couldn't just appear on something and you would immediately be like, that's, mm-hmm. that's estrogen. Mm-hmm. That's Rabel, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard. And I, I mean, I don't know that from the very brief listening that I've done of Rabel, that I would necessarily be able to pick his voice out of a crowd. Mm. Well, listen more, which is the okay. goal, so that you can okay. hear him. Um, <laughs> if you listen to the live, I think it's live one night only, um, and the piano albums, those cover most of his songs, and it really gets at like who he is, I think. Okay. Um, because he talks a little bit and he, you know he's, he's he's a goofy guy he's goofy he's funny um you know he's i i really we really enjoyed him i came out of that concert that little concert just being like oh, i'm in love like just he's my kind of artist i really like him i think that's really important too when you come out of a a live concert experience with like a personal impression of that artist especially mm-hmm. when they're at like hotel cafe or something mm-hmm. like that right where you get a true sense of their personality. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of informs your music listening experience in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you listen to any of their studio recordings, suddenly you're like, oh, like I have a whole new appreciation for this based on who I understand them to be in real life. Yeah. Like I've yeah. definitely experienced that where like, like Rachel Yamagata, like we used to see her yeah. at the Hotel Cafe all the time. And seeing her live helped me to like all of her music Mm. and Mm -hmm. i don't think that i would like all of her music if i hadn't been seeing her perform it live because she just brings something you know that's so special like straight from her personality in a live performance that's not necessarily there on the recording but as long as i have that in my memory i can draw upon that yeah like you triangulate my appreciation (laughs) yeah you know bolster my appreciation yeah yeah. Oh, one of the interesting things about Rabel was, and, and uh, speaking of artists that may not be household names, so he brought up, and oh, Chris is going to kill me. I forget the woman's name. Who? Barbara Bush. No, 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 no. Barbara Streisand. I will look it up, and I, I will look it up, and I will, I will feature her. She was great. Um, Barbara Kruger. No, not a Barbara. Okay, not a Barbara. Uh, wait, who? Wait, wait. Describe. Maybe I can. I th- you won't. You won't. It was okay. But um. Later in his set, he brought up Kevin Garrett. Are you familiar with Kevin Garrett? So are you familiar with Beyonce's Lemonade album? Yes. He wrote the song Pray You Catch Me, which is the first track on that album. Um, He's like an indie pop artist, I guess, a songwriter. 
he also has his own like his own stuff and it's it's beautiful like his song and his voices are beautiful um he opened for banks are you familiar with banks i'm familiar with okay. banks so he opened for banks last november um, Wait, so sorry. Who opened for Banks? Kevin Garrett. Google? Kevin Garrett. Okay. <laughs> okay. Opened for Banks, and like he had, like people didn't know who he was, but he had everyone just transfixed at the Palladium. Um, it just his voice is so beautiful. Um, I will post a link to some of his songs, but he brought him up there, and they did like a little, a little thing together, and it's just you know these like sort of indie because he's not Kevin Garrett is also not on a label, but like I said, has written written songs for um Beyonce Beyonce and and others James and, Bay apparently yeah but like you Mulford know he's an independent artist similar to Rabel and they're like just supporting each other but it's just like two guys you know doing their thing and it I don't know it just it was just really I, I it was sweet it was it was a good night but like to your point about like taking the things that you take away from a live set um if everything works well, like it gives a lot of goodwill for the rest of their career, hopefully. Um, yeah. For any artists that were part of it. And it's funny because that's, that's probably like the hardest way to reach people is through live performance. Yeah. If you're starting out, like, you know, trying to attract a crowd to purchase a ticket to see you live. Well, you know what was interesting? And it's funny because, I mean, in, this, in, in the, the, the converse of that is that we're able to cultivate careers of pop stars that are completely separate from their live performances. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like they almost, they almost fooled us with Cassie. They almost got us. I mean, until people Ca- still like her. Until Cassie went, until, Ca- until she went out on BET and had a hot microphone in her hand oh. and you could hear her voice coming into the microphone and out of the speakers. And you're like, wait, hold on. Wait, is that, is that what she sounds like? Wait a minute. Yeah, I, I never, I was never on board with Cassie. Just for the record, I love Cassie. I know, uh, I know. You're easily selection. fooled. What can I say? You're easily fooled. But <laughs> what one of the things that's interesting about like someone like Rabel and the fact that I was able to see him was, and this I feel like can only happen now or in the last few years, when I was exploring sort of his music on Spotify, there is a tab. You know, there's like the artist overview, fans also like, there's like an about tab, and then there's concerts. And I had um, clicked the concerts tab and was like, oh, because I was just for the hell of it. Like, we don't go to see a lot of concerts, but I was just, I was like, oh, he's playing in like two weeks at the hotel cafe. And I literally just bought tickets through there because it was like 20 bucks or something. Like it was something easy, but it's it's the way in which that, I mean, prior to the shutdown, it was like that you could help support these artists through different channels, right? Like, uh, I didn't have to try and hunt on on Ticketmaster or something, or yeah. like try to go to their. I mean, website. Spotify is just trying to make up for the fact that they don't pay artists. Enough it's money true. For... It's true. But it did. But it did mean it did. We mean... can't give you any money for when people stream your songs a million times, but we can p- provide you a place for when you're performing concerts it, when concerts are allowed. It did mean that I did buy a concert ticket for myself i you know chris went as well and then i am talking about him now on our our huge our truly enormous platform and letting our audience know that they need to support him and it all came from 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 that one little thing so um you know all 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 um all 40 of you (laughs) (laughs) go listen 
it's a big we, we we exist on a big platform we didn't say we have a big presence on the big platform <laughs> it's fine but all right we'll i'll i'll give i'll give rabel some more listens Let's see what i think I, I just, you know, listen to 11 I don't know blocks. about men. I, I still don't know about men, Jason. Listen to 11 blocks. After all this conversation, do I love men anymore? I don't know. Should I follow Charlie Puth on Instagram? You should. I don't know. You should. Okay, They're I'll fun. Okay. They're fun. He's fun. All right. Should I follow Rabel on Instagram? On yes. Him? Oh, his dog is so cute. It's I'm a not tiny into little... dogs. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's just... Well, he, sorry to sorry to everyone we know that's listening to this that has a dog that you post photos of them on Instagram, but I I I I, I just swipe right past that. I am sorry. not usually a a floofy little dog person, but like yeah. his dog's cute. But I like all of his other the other stuff that he posts. I like like every once in a while he'll post stuff about like you know being a singer songwriter, but like he's not like he's had to transition into like working remotely with people and a lot of people are thriving they're like oh yeah we can just do the zoom thing and we'll write together he's like it terrifies me like he's got different anxieties about different things that i find really relatable and 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 also just an interesting look into like how not all creatives not all songwriters people who are like out in the industry um you like to your point you expect them to be comfortable with certain things or familiar with certain things and he's like no i i really like a piano in a room and you know working with people and so working separately yeah. has been hard and so you know i i don't know i just have a lot of love for him <laughs> okay okay i dig it very well done thank you for that you as well I, i'm really gonna listen to daniel merriweather so yeah i think i think in a similar way um you know when we're we're wrapping these episodes up and we kind of like wax poetic on everything that we've meandered and talked about you know what you just said about um rabel and his like discomforts and anxieties and stuff that he expresses very openly i see a lot of that in daniel merriweather too Mm. where you get a sense from he didn't do a whole lot of press or interviews but when you do see him doing interviews uh, there's a there's a certain level of discomfort that you can sense Mm -hmm. i think that is it is that energy of like not wanting to be on all the time for interviews not wanting to put on the um What's it called? The dog show? No. Dog and pony show? Dog and pony show. I was like, the hoof and dog show. (laughs) The glue show. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, You know, but that whole, that whole thing of having to, you know, put so much of your, put so much of your heart, put so much of your creativity and your energy into just creating music, creating live performance, creating, creating records, but then realizing, oh wait, there's this whole other side to being a star. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have to have this presence. I have to, really just light a fire for myself in the public eye that maybe you weren't prepared to do. Like maybe you just want to believe like I'm going to do, I'm going to make great music. People are going to love it and that's good enough. Mm -hmm. And sadly, maybe that's not good enough. Sorry, man, you can't have it all. (laughs) And with that, let's go to a break. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So we're back, and we've talked about men. Um, 
We've talked more about men than we have in the entirety of this show thus far. Um, it's true. I don't know that we've discovered anything, but um, I'll give him a chance. I'll give Rabel a chance. I hope you give Daniel Merriweather a chance. I will. He's back. He's back in a big way. Not really. He's, I think he's independently re- releasing his music now, but his music is back and better than ever. He's expecting his first child. I'll give him some streams. Give him some streams. Follow him on Instagram, maybe. I am. He's I very, just did. So, oh, you know, he's... Siri, I'm not talking to you. Oh, sorry. Siri got really offended. Um, God, it's neither here nor there. Oh. But one thing I will say about Daniel Merriweather, we were having a conversation about Blue-Eyed Soul, is that... Like Daniel Merriweather, he comes at his life with a certain level of like social consciousness, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And when the whole George Floyd thing started and Black Lives Matter and all of that started to bubble up in our consciousness, um, he was one of the artists that called out the fact that like, like white artists who take so much from Black culture and find such a huge source of inspiration from black culture it like really behooves them to be vocal and to take action Mm -hmm. and not just stand by while all of these people these communities that they have reaped rewards from are suffering yeah it it, you know and so i really respect him for being someone coming forward who recognizes that the source of so much of his inspiration, so much of his creativity are these communities that are currently suffering. Yeah. And, and so I think he, he, he goes up in my regard for that in yeah. contrast to the statements made by um, Daryl Hall. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I read, I read those posts and same, I was very impressed and just uh, glad to hear from, from someone. And, and I definitely, yeah. I, even if I, even if I don't necessarily, come out of it like with him being like my favorite artist or whatever um i really respect and believe that he deserves support for i I just i appreciate that for just coming for coming at it from a very well informed very 360 kind of look at his career and his life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is something that i find exceptionally refreshing from a straight white man i'll wrap it up with that that like (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about men we're a little bit cynical admittedly about men um you know they're not necessarily typically in our wheelhouse or in the vast majority of the music that we're consuming on a day-to-day basis and and i will cop to bringing those kind of raised eyebrows to to men like suspicions about like is this is like is this man a misogynist like please don't please don't let this man be like some crazy racist misogynist <laughs> i let them and sort of put their foot in it <laughs> i don't know what my point is but um well just that i i mean you know i i, I literally don't know what i was just saying it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Do you have anything else to say? Just that 
I would like to give a huge thanks to my special white man, Adam Elder, for, composing our, for composing our theme music. <laughs> Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer and email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com. I have yet to check that inbox. It, no, there's nothing in it. There's okay. nothing in it. It's fine. Look, guys. There's nothing. Talk to us. Send us men. <laughs> I know I need to amp it up. No more wine spritzes. Keep it, keep it, keep it pumping. All right. I was literally, I was looking at the beer and I had my coffee in my hand and I was like, how am I going to do this? I don't know. Do you drink Oh coffee? my God. Yeah, I drink, I, I, I mean, in that I'm so woefully unprepared for these, I wake up at like 7.30 on our recording days, just make coffee, eat a protein bar, come to the garage, sit here and type up my notes. And then 9.30 I start drinking. <laughs> I, so at 10 a.m. I'm, I'm like warmed up. I had hyped up. I had two scoops of Jen's potato salad, and I was like, "Oh, we ate the whole thing." I'm, all gone. I'm almost ready to eat it all, but I, I part of me is like, "Well, Adam hasn't had any yet." Let's. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you I have half. Me and I had half the. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was gone. Yeah. It's really not that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I miss your your macaroni salad. We haven't had that mm. in a long time either. I feel like really conflicted about my macaroni salad recipe. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, I mean, I feel like Japanese macaroni salad is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, Erin has her Japanese macaroni salad that she prefers. Mm-hmm. But, like, my Japanese macaroni salad is, like, very specific to, like, the way my grandma mm-hmm, did it. Mm-hmm. Which I think is actually something that she must have picked up when she lived in Hawaii. Because mm-hmm. don't, they don't make macaroni salad in Japan no, in the 40s. I don't think so. It but only, it was like after the after yeah. the war, my grandma lived in Hawaii for a little bit. She married my my grandpa was from Hawaii, and so after the war, um, he brought her to Hawaii, which is where I'm assuming my grandma learned a lot of those. Like, I would think so. Yeah, what you would consider like Hawaiian Pan Asian things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Love of love of spam, yeah, and uh, macaroni salad. Yeah, but I was I always feel funny because like. I mean, my my grandma's macaroni salad is just mayonnaise, sweet pickle relish, um, shredded carrot, occasionally thinly sliced cucumber, occasionally peas, mm-hmm. and then macaroni. That's it. Is the potato? Oh, an egg. an egg. Yeah. Is the potato kind of mashed where it becomes sort of creamy with the, or is it um, chunks? My, oh, my grandma, there's no potato in my grandma's macaroni salad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her potato salad is um, potato in, in pretty solid chunks, okay. like not mashed up. Solid chunks of potato, mayonnaise, salt, pepper, um, thinly sliced cucumber, and then uh, thinly sliced Granny Smith apple. Oh. And then occasionally peas, occasionally peas. My grandma had this whole thing, like uh, she's a very visual person. Mm. And I feel like a lot of her cuisine, one has no recipe because no, no Asian grandmother has a recipe mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, anything. Mm-hmm. They just do it by like this, this much, yeah, yeah, throw it in, yeah. taste it, fix it. Um, 
But my grandma also had this weird thing about color. Mm. She's very like yeah, that makes aesthetically sense. oriented. So it would always be like she's adding stuff at random to things because oh she just like well this needs something green in it. I feel like I feel like that's a very that's a very 40s 50s aesthetic, right? Like when you look at when you look at those because like color printing was first happening, right? You look at those old Betty Crocker cookbooks and it's like, why the fuck does this have that in it? And you're like, oh it's probably just for color. Like because otherwise it'll be brown. I mean there would always be something additional. There'd be like a texture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or something, but she would often use like thinly sliced cucumber or peas mm-hmm. interchangeably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because suddenly like, green. Oh, well this needs something green. Oh, interesting. Right. Otherwise it's just going to get a sprig of parsley stuck in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's true. laughs> but anyway, anyway, okay. I know that I know that like Aaron's Japanese macaroni salad has like Is it uh, vinegar in it yeah. and sugar. It's a little bit more liquidy mm-hmm, than mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like mine is very solid. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's a solid hunk of mayonnaise. Yeah. Best foods. This is, this Best is foods is the only and thing. Sweet relish, sweet pickle relish. Do you hate sweet pickle relish? But I know it was funny. I hate it's it by like, itself. But yeah. it's only for macaroni salad. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, I when you said that, I was like, uh. And then I was like, but no, I really like your salad. So I was like, I think it only goes in that. But like, do you ever use QP mayo for anything? Like any of those salads? No. I mean, that's the weird thing is that like I think, and I think it's because my grandma immigrated mm-hmm. here in the 40s yeah so of course it's best place. it's it's like a it's like that mishmash of american hawaiian mm-hmm. japanese kind of culture mm-hmm. so i didn't i mean yeah i only ever use cupy mayonnaise on like japanese japanese food like um, oh. okonomiyaki and stuff like that you okay yeah i heard something fall like there's a cat crawling uh, behind i mean me. i i heard it fall <laughs> okay all right. Okay, anyway, <laughs> gonna bring us back. <laughs> okay, and let me get back to my document. Okay, 